Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast. On this show, we take a relational approach to turning readers into fans by using expensive words based on our emotions to write compelling stories. This way, instead of finding customers who read, we find friends and fans who will go on any storytelling path with us as we walk down the winding roads that make up our author journeys. Get ready to learn more about writing the story of your heart right now on Writing Expensive Words. Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast. Today, we're going to talk about why gimmicks offend readers and what you can do so that you don't offend readers, right? We don't want to do that. Um, So the first topic for today, we're going to go through seven topics, so make sure you stick through until the end because all all of these things are very important and you don't want to miss one. All right. So the first question is, or the first comment really, is sick of gimmick with no story. And as always, I am searching for things that other people are searching for that readers want to know the answer to. And in this case, readers do not want a gimmick with no story. So uh, the idea that a story idea cannot also be a gimmick is a problem that a lot of writers have to face. Um, But I don't think it's because novel coaches and editors are steering writers in the wrong direction. I think that this um, concept of the story idea being the most important thing actually comes from outside of the writing world, from non-writing professionals who don't understand that a story idea can be a gimmick. It can be something that does not, it, it's not able to exist uh, in the world that the author has created in a functional way. And that's one of the main questions you have to ask yourself, right? When you're like, why is a gimmick offensive to a reader? Because it shows that you haven't taken the time to actually make sure that your story will work in the setting with the characters that you've planned out. It's showing them that you don't care about the way they spend their money and that you don't care about the way they spend their time. And when you act that way, you cannot get repeat customers. But the great thing is if you've fallen into this trap of thinking that a story idea is the same as a fully fleshed out story, then you can break that false belief, right? That's coming from the outside world into the writerly world. And we can do that anytime we identify a false belief we have. We don't have to get depressed or feel down. We can say, all right, I learned this from this person and this person was wrong and now I'm going to adjust. So it's not your fault, but now you can choose what to do with the information that I've just given you. All right, that was point number one. Uh, And remember, you can always stop any false belief, not just for writing, but for mindset, for anything in life. Um, Yeah. The important things like eating healthy, exercising, getting enough sleep, all the self-care things. You can stop false beliefs that have to do with that. And that's how you're going to be able to move forward, which will positively affect your writing, right? If you have a better mindset, if you have a better outlook, if you have better mental health, your writing is going to be better. Okay, point number two. Uh, Why is it betraying the reader when you don't deliver on your premise promise? Okay, so a story premise is basically the same thing as the idea. 
of the story, but it's included in your book synopsis. It's included in the promise that you're making when the reader signs that contract with you where they've read your book synopsis and they purchase your book. Okay, so that's what a premise promise is. You're like, I said I was going to do this, this and this. And then if your book doesn't actually do it, that's when the reader gets upset. (laughs) So uh, when you write a synopsis, which is your 30 second book pitch, by the way, you are making a promise to your reader about not just what's going to be inside of the story, but also about the tone Because like, let's say you're writing a horror story, you don't want the tone of your book synopsis to come off as like a fluffy unicorn flying fantasy adventure. Okay, you want the tone to match with what's actually in your story. And that way you don't end up with a reader that's like, this was a gimmick. I'm mad. I'm offended. Uh, And if you are thinking, Kristen, I don't even know how to write a book synopsis. And you're freaking out, I would say don't be scared. It's okay. We all feel like that when we write uh, our first or second or third or sometimes 15th book synopsis. It depends. I feel like the fear correlates with the amount of importance that the story has to you personally. So if you're like, I think it's scary to sit down and write a synopsis, I'm here to tell you that you absolutely can. Just make sure that whatever you put in the synopsis, you're able to deliver on that premise promise and that the tone matches. Uh, The synopsis is a piece of marketing that you have. And I know, right, lots of people are like, no, no marketing stuff. You have to think about this stuff if you're an author and if you want to run a successful business. You need to understand that if your story doesn't address everything that the description mentions, that you're going to offend readers and you're going to be basically proving to them that they can't trust you. So if you have the tone match, if you have the different uh, things in the description come into fruition inside of your story, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. That's the main thing that we want to think about when we're thinking about gimmicks and um, the synopsis. Okay, that's that's one way to offend the readers that now you are not going to do. Let's look at point number three. Listening to reader feedback, especially in your first books. So one of the ways that you can tell if your story is a gimmick is for those when you get those first moments of reader feedback. And I know that's a lousy time to find out, but it's still soon enough to prevent a majority of readers from like going into your book with this idea of what's going to happen and then realizing it's a gimmick and then getting mad at you forever. So maybe you've angered a few readers, but that's better than like having your book out and it's gone into a thousand reader eyeballs and they're mad. (laughs) So you need to, instead of thinking, oh no, this is irredeemable. I can never fix this gimmick. uh, You need to understand that Even negative feedback is worth celebrating. And you're probably like, what? That doesn't sound right. But it is right because uh, you can always adjust as a writer. And maybe you have a project that's out and you're like, oh, no, it was gimmicky. You can adjust and rebrand and try to target new readers, okay? Those old readers are burned, but you are the only one who controls whether or not you quit. So you can keep moving forward and engage with new readers and not make that same mistake. But the gift that negative feedback gives you is that you realize you were able to engage the readers at all in the first place. And then if they're like, oh, it's gimmicky, you know, and you can adjust and you can say, what about this didn't I think all the way through? What about my premise promise did I 
not answer. What about my story ideas unrealistic in this world with this character that I've created? So next time you get a bad review and it's not gimmicky, though, I want you to think about this. You wrote a book, right? First. Then you put the book out into the world. Awesome. Then you got readers to connect with your book and actually open it and read it. That's so hard to do. That is definitely a cost to celebrate. And then you somehow moved a person to the point where they actually left you feedback. That's great, even if it's a bad review. And what you can do is then move on from that and start actually coming to the point where you take the critiques and you change things. And if you're self-published, you can make adjustments in your book. I've done it. Definitely. That's part of my process. If you've listened to the show at all, you know, I put out the book in front of a few beta readers. I, the Amazon reviews start trickling in and then I'm like, oh, do I need to make any adjustments to the introduction? Actually, in my writing group yesterday, we were talking about how Maybe it would be better to write, start with chapter two, and then kind of go back and write chapter one after you've done everything else, because then you know exactly what chapter one has to hit on. I haven't tried it yet, but if you're willing to try it and you're like, hey, I'll do this, Kristen, let me know how it goes. I want to know. You can email me at kns at literarysymmetry.com. I'd love to know if you try it. I'm definitely going to test it out, and I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, so celebrate any reviews you get because you can always adjust and also you've engaged the reader which is really hard to do in this world of over like we have so much stimulation coming like we have books movies youtube instagram right all the things you're watching right now uh and so i want you to understand that if you get a review at all, good for you. Celebrate and keep going, keep moving forward. All right, on to point number four, how to avoid writing a bait and switch. This is a <laughs> this is a mistake that a lot of authors make. So if you've made it, like I said, it's not your fault. A lot of gurus will be like, hey, why don't you just pull them in with this tag? And who cares whether you fulfill on the premise promise? But you have to care because remember, readers are offended by gimmicks. Okay, the writer bait and switch is literally, and I mean that in the actual form of the word, is one of the biggest mistakes that you can make uh, because you're telling the reader that they can't trust you because you're changing up something when they've already entered into your uh, premise promise, right? That's like, the alliteration is rough for me to say. I probably should have called it something else. Um, but a lot of writing coaches will tell you it's good to subvert readers' expectations. And that is true to a point. Uh, if you make a premise promise, I said it correctly that time, in your book description, you had better keep that promise. Don't try to trick the reader. Uh, readers don't like that. Readers want to see those little seeds coming in. And if you just write something that they have no idea that's coming and there's no prep for their brain for the big reveal, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, they tricked me. This is a gimmick. And remember, readers are, they find gimmicks offensive. So foreshadowing is a handy tool so that you can kind of prep their brain so that like when you get to the big reveal, all these like warning lights are flashing in their head and they're like, oh, yeah, I totally saw this coming. Um, no writing bait and switches. 
ever. Just don't do it. It's a really fast way to alienate yourself from readers. And it doesn't actually show them how clever you are. It's kind of a bully move where you're like, I tricked you and now you're like at my mercy and I don't even care about you at all. That's not what you want. That's not the kind of relationship that you want to develop with your writers. And that brings us to point number five. Okay. You shouldn't change the rules halfway through. This is part of that thing that we just talked about where you don't want to trick your readers. Okay, so whatever genre you write, you have to set up your own rules for the universe that you're writing in from the beginning. And uh, this is especially important for like anytime there's magic, anytime there's time travel. Basically, whenever there's something that needs rules or else, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what the characters do because they can get themselves out of it. That's why we have to have rules in our writing. And so if you have these rules and you're, um, <laughs> you've like written yourself into a corner, you're like, crud, the only way I know how to fix this is just to change the rules without telling the reader or without going back from the beginning and making sure that my foundation is there for this thing to happen. That is not what you want to do. And also, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do that because you're a good writer. You have been listening to this podcast. You have been watching this podcast. You understand what a gimmick is, and you don't have to fall into that trap. You also understand how to develop a story idea, so you don't need to worry about having to change the rules. So if that temptation comes in, just go backwards. Take a step back and say, okay, where did I go wrong in my planning? How did I not make sure that the character would be able to do this in this world in order to fulfill the changes that need to happen over the plot to make the character arc dynamic, right? We want like a curve like this. So uh, do the work, figure out the puzzle and keep the rules you've made. Otherwise you're taking a huge risk because readers don't like, they don't appreciate lazy writing. And when someone says that your writing is lazy, it's just like an arrow through your chest. I feel I haven't had an arrow in my chest, thankfully, but um, I imagine it would be quite painful. Okay, that brings us to our second to last point, point number six, uh, ex how to deal with extreme reader reactions and why they happen. So let's say that you have written some sort of gimmick uh, and you get this strong reader reaction. Have you ever heard of someone say like, I want to light that book on fire? Well, let's kind of think before the book burning wants to happen. Let's think back a step before that. Why does this happen? Well, reading isn't just an investment of money, which is what we always talk about, right? Telling the reader they can trust you with your their money. And what's the second one? Their time. That's right. Because time is our only non-renewable resource. And when a reader chooses your book, they're essentially saying, I'm I'm investing in you. I'm giving you this opportunity to be in my brain, to have my money, and to take tick off these seconds of time, right? So uh, they're saying, I'm willing to go on this journey with you, which is so exciting. But um, they sometimes have strong emotional reactions because of that commitment, because of that promise, because of the time and money that they've put in. Um, so when the journey doesn't go the way they think it's going to or the way they want, they can just 
say things and do things that hurt your little author heart. And I want to know, what is the most extreme reader reaction you've heard? Not necessarily for your books, but for any book. Uh, comment below and let the other writers know so that they know that they're not alone in experiencing extreme reader reactions. But a way to limit that is to make sure that you are not using gimmicks, okay? The story idea has to be able to be executed. All right, the last point for today, point number seven, is uh, be who you are, not who you think they want. Because when you are acting as someone that you think they want, guess what? You're turning yourself into a gimmick and that is not going to win you any points with the reader and it's going to make your soul feel bad. Like it's going to wither it up and dry it out and stomp it into dust and that's not what you want. Uh, so if you're going to be yourself, you don't have to worry about lying your butt off and then keeping track of those lies to try to get people to like you. That's exhausting. That is not a good idea for any artist or for any person. And you don't want to have to deal with the soul-sucking effects of that or also getting caught in lies because remember, you need the reader to trust you. So you don't want to write a gimmick and you don't want to be a gimmick. Like when you're watching these videos or listening to me, you're probably, uh, sometimes you might wonder like, Kristen, are you like this? Like, do you care this much about storytelling? Do you write so much all the time? Uh, are you editing, you know, and the answer is, yeah, I just am who I am on here. I care a lot about storytelling, probably more than anyone else you'll meet. And that's who I am. And if you don't like it, that's okay. That means that you're not going to hire me as your editor or your coach. And that means that there's a, someone else out there who's a better fit. And I'm fine with that. And even if you pick up my books and you're like, this isn't my thing. I know that I did the best I could with my target audience in mind. And I don't just write for myself. I write for a reader. So if that reader isn't you, that's cool. And you have to get to the point as an author where you accept that and you understand your stories are not going to be for everybody, but you shouldn't be willing to turn yourself into a gimmick so that you can get views or read through or whatever else. It's not worth it. And, you know, of course, we all change over time. And like, I've changed a lot. I didn't used to be able to do these lives. I didn't used to be able to like understand how TikTok works. I'm still learning. I have to like up my TikTok game for sure. Um, but, you know, I'm changing and you're seeing me change in real time. So don't feel like, oh, if I'm going to be authentic, I have to stay exactly how I am right now. No, that's not true. You can change, but just be real about how you're changing and also own your failures. Like, yeah, I ha I didn't podcast at all last week because my mom was here. She was visiting for her 60th birthday, which like we had this fancy dinner uh, and my husband made homemade pizza, which was so stinking good. Um, but like I fell off the podcasting train. My TikToks were not awesome. Like I had a lighting issue. You know, like I'm just going to own my failures. I'm doing my best. That doesn't always mean that I'm super successful. That means that sometimes I fail and that's part of it, right? So next time you're like, I don't think I can be my authentic self because I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So don't hold yourself to that standard. Own your, own your failures. Be willing to change in real time. And that's going to resonate so much with your audience. So I just want you to understand that transparency is one of the fastest ways also to grow any business because they see the real you. And that's, you know, through social media, through blogging, or even something as simple as your author bio, which I know I've talked about in the past, because my favorite shape is what? If you've read my author bio, you know, 
it's a hexagon because they're awesome. And I have them like all over my house, literally. So next time you're like, Kristen, I feel like I don't know what a gimmick is. Just re-listen to this episode. You know what it is. You've got this. You know how to avoid offending the reader with gimmicks because that's what we just went over. And now you're like a little, you're, you have that step closer to being who you were meant to be all along. Just be yourself. Don't be who you think they want. And you're going to do so much better and you're going to be so much more relaxed and you'll be able to focus more on your writing journey, on your writing dream. It is never too late to write the story of your heart and happy writing. And I just want to add that if you're watching on YouTube or Instagram and you're like, Kristen, I would love to be part of your group coaches, uh, your group coaching calls, you can go to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash expensive words and join that. And I do a monthly coaching session where I like get into your story with you. And uh, yeah, it's really affordable. It's the most affordable way to have me work with you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Happy writing again. This has been another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast with me, your host, Kristen Spencer. I'd love to hear your amazing writing thoughts and questions from your awesome writing brain. You can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer or at literary symmetry. Or you can email me at kns at literarysymmetry.com. This podcast is funded by awesome listeners like you. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it rolling, you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash expensive words. You can keep all of my hosting and software needs going for the show by donating less than what it costs for one fancy cup of tea a month. And to be eligible to join writing coaching calls with me, check out the $12 a month sponsorship. You will get to ask me questions live about the story of your heart once a month and meet other cool writers. Thanks again for listening and happy writing.